And welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider, actually NCAA Tournament Edition, which is obviously a regular thing for this basketball program. But there's little in doubt this season as Michigan dropped that game, a game they should have won against Indiana, 17-point lead, squandered it, uh, just a, a total collapse for a team that with, with veterans on it and it seemingly turned the corner when it came to how anemic we'd seen we'd seen them be at times just struck in the same game it was really the tale of two halves in the lost indiana but fortunately the committee was convinced that this was a tournament team before that game that bore out in on selection sunday where michigan wound up being an 11 seed uh facing colorado state so we will talk about all of that with a gentleman who wore the uniform played at a high level a first round draft pick NBA vet, 10 years in the game, went on to be one of the best basketball commentators in the land. I always finish off by saying, but he's my guy who just had a birthday, by the way. So happy belated birthday to my man, Tim McCormick. How are you, Tim? I'm great. Thanks for the wonderful video as well. Um, you know, one of the great assets of being a basketball player, if you can do it, is to have a short memory. Um, and so you said something about Indiana, Sam, am I, did, did we play Indiana? I I don't really remember. All I know is we're in the NCAA tournament and that thrills me. Um, sometimes the, 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 the good news, um, doesn't have the same impact as the possible bad news. So I, I feel like I'm relieved and I'm skeptical if they belong or not. Um, but if somebody hands you a gift, you say thank you and you move on. And and so here's the good news. I personally um, didn't expect them to get in as I watched the Richmond game against Davidson. Um, so thank God. And an 11 seam seems extremely generous to me. Uh, they don't have to get involved in the play-in game. They get to play in Indianapolis, which is a home game for them compared to Colorado State. Mm-hmm. They're familiar there. Biggest six seed. Um, Colorado's a good team. There's no doubt about it. But would you rather play Colorado State or would you rather play LSU or Alabama or Texas? Um, I'd rather play Colorado State. And and then Michigan has played in four straight Sweet Sixteens. And mm-hmm. and so there's kind of an expectation that that they should take care of business. Um, and and then also I, I did some diving and looked at Colorado State. They've got five losses this year. And two of them were to UNLV. Michigan handled them. Two of them were to San Diego State. Michigan handled them with little trouble. And the other game that they lost was to Wyoming. What What's the deal with Wyoming? They're the only team in the Mountain West with any size. So to me, um, as an 11 seed, you're favored, you're close to home, and you've got all the momentum, and, or not the momentum, but all the motivation in the world. I think that we should be pretty happy. Yeah, this is, uh, I agree with you. It's just under the circumstances for Michigan to get 11 seed in Indianapolis. I know that there are other Big Ten, fr- Big Ten fans that sort of looked at that with a raised eyebrow. No Michigan State fans were in there. In that bag, Illinois fans are in that bag, you know, not playing in Indianapolis. Meanwhile, Michigan, a team that finished below both squads, how did they wind up in Indianapolis? That was more about Tennessee. You know, Michigan being 
in that it's it's about being favorable to to that team, placing them in that region. And and Michigan was uh, fortunately for them as the the seeding sort of bore out, and they were doing just based on the numbers. Which 11 seed do you put in that particular part of the bracket? Michigan just wound up falling. It was a fortuitous bounce, if you will. I don't think it had to do with the prestige of the Block M, with the, the specter of the maize and blue, the drawing power of the Michigan brand. I don't think it was any of that that pushed them. I think it was just chance, just chance that put them in Indianapolis. And <laughs> And fortunate for them, I, I heard Hunter talking about it, Tim. He said, oh, man, we can't. I was thinking we can't escape Indianapolis. Like, dude, seriously? <laughs> what are you talking about? Where do you want to go? Where did you want to go? Other than Indianapolis, right? You got the, you know, a home region advantage over Colorado State. And, and hopefully, you know, some familiarity playing in that gym will help you avoid some of the pitfalls that we have seen befall this team all season, Tim. Yeah, and maybe we should tell Hunter about the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's. You know, maybe maybe he just needs some more fun things to do. Um, as you're driving down the highway, they've got they've got Top Golf. You know, there, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. Um, but but Hunter and his guys are there to win, and that's the way it should be. But so I'm 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 done with my studying on Colorado State. I watched some film. I broke them down. Um, what, what, what do you think, Sam? We've got to feel pretty good about it, right? I, I do. I, I do. I think that, first of all, the way Michigan has played defensively of late, the, the last 13 minutes of the Indiana game notwithstanding, I was really impressed when it came to the Ohio State game. I was impressed for the first 27 minutes of the Indiana game with how multiple they were defensively and how connected they were defensively. We saw everything. We saw the kitchen sink. We saw them doubling the post. We saw them switching screens. We saw straight man-to-man. We saw zone. And to, to see them double the post, get thrown into rotations, and do it seamlessly, Tim, this team was playing at a level defensively, and you might recall us talking about it last week, that I feel like they have to play it to have a chance to withstand the ebbs and flows offensively. I say that to say... I think the last 13 minutes were an outlier with where with what we should expect from this team in the tournament. Because if they guard the three-point line in this game against this small ball team, I think they'll be able to bully them in the post on, on offense and ride that to victory. I think you're right. And it better not be an outlier or they'll be um, back on 94 before you know it. Um, Colorado State, has two star players. They seem pretty, pretty easy to figure out. Um, David Roddy is a Charles Barkley kind of player. He's six, five. He's burly, great low center of gravity. He can score all over the court. Um, he's not super athletic or quick. And, and the reason I say that is when you watch him drive, he spins a lot, which tells me that he's not fast enough off of his initial burst to get all the way. So the defense will cut him off and then he spins and that's where he's actually really hard to cover. Um, and so Michigan may be wise to, to, to play him single coverage and know that he's going to spin back. It's kind of like with Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Bucks. You know, he, he's going to get a long way, but you know he's always going to spin back and some good defensive teams have been able to cut him off. 
Um, I think if Michigan can keep Roddy in the teens, it's a major success. I think they win. I assume that Caleb will start on it, but you could see Musa as well. I think so. Um, yeah, and I think that I think that that Caleb's a better bet on him, but then I'm not sure who Moose is going to cover. So um, I think you'll see a lot of Terrence Williams. And I also think that you're going to hear the name EJ Liddell a lot during Michigan's preparation practices. You remember the Ohio state game, they had a spy and, 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 and EJ could see it. He knew as soon as he put the ball on the floor, that double was coming and it worked really well. Um, I think that Roddy is a good passer. I think he's patient and he's smart. Um, but once again, if you keep him in the teens, that's a win. Uh, the other kid is Isaiah Stevens. He's not a super athlete. He reminds me a little bit of Eli Brooks. He's got the ball in his hands. He's smart. He's poised. He's a winning player. Um, the rest of the team is is pretty basic. Fundamentally sound, but they don't have any size or rebounding. No rim protection at all from this team. And I think Michigan can really hurt Colorado State on the glass. Um, the, the thing that they remind me of offensively a little bit is Davidson, who I, I covered twice last week with the A-10. Um, they've got really good shooters. They're number one in the Mount West Conference in field goal percentage, number one in threes, number one in free throws. Their assist turnover ratio is the best. And they do it by spreading the court out with that five-man motion a ton of pick and roll. And, and Sam, this is going to be one of my most important keys. There's three fundamentals that Michigan's got to do really well in this game. The first one is they have to force their drivers to their left. Um, straight line drives at this time of year, guys are going to score. They're going to get you in foul trouble. If you force a guy to his left, he gets slower by probably a third because he's dribbling with his offhand. And his finishing ability is going to be much less, you know, maybe 10% less with his left hand. So that's the first thing. The other thing I watched on film is they shot fake you to death. And, and some of the, the teams in the Mountain West, I don't know what they were doing. They were going for shot fakes and allowing drives. Michigan has to stay down, contest late. And what I mean by that is wait till the guy really commits and he's leaving the ground before you get a hand up. And then the third one, Michigan is 6'8", 6'10", 7'1". And if they don't control the boards, you give these guys second chances, that's the best time in basketball to get a three, and that's what they do. So I, I think that I, I think those three things, if Michigan does them, they will win the game. Yeah, so David Roddy, uh, you mentioned that they're a, a really good three-point shooting team, 38% from three-point land as a club, as a program, 45.5% is David Roddy's shooting percentage from three. I mean, some guys shoot that from two, Tim. Right. <laughs> or some guys there. can't shoot that from two, right? He can yeah. he can shoot the blood out, out of the ball. While you have to guard the perimeter, be mindful of that. With all the, him, you cannot lose him on the perimeter, all right? And you mentioned they are an extremely efficient offensive team. But if you guard the three-point line, as you said, force them to put it on the deck, especially to their left, I think it's going to affect that efficiency. Meanwhile, on the defensive end of the floor, you look at them, they give up 51% inside the arc. 
Yeah. And you have the, the, the a guy who is going to be able to bully his way around the basket in Hunter Dickinson. One of the things that stuck out to me in Indiana, in the Indiana game where they're struggling mightily, they can't throw the ball in the ocean, they miss 13 shots in a row. Michigan's inability to get Hunter Dickinson the ball when they had to have a shot was glaring. You cannot get in a situation where you are not – where the where the offense is not running through Hunter when you need it to. I, to me, I start the game like that. Uh, I come out of halftime like that. I'm doing the end of the game like that because that is your biggest advantage in this game. And I think Hunter, I think Hunter goes for 25 in this contest. Uh, if 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 he doesn't go for 25, I'd be surprised. Yeah, some some really good points. And you know, the the first one has to do with Roddy. Um, I had the Davidson-Fordham game on Thursday, and I saw something I've never seen before. Fordham took two guys and 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 would rotate between putting the two guys on um, Yunjun Lee, their their Korean sharpshooter, and Luka Brykovic. They they would just leave somebody wide open, somebody they didn't respect, somebody they didn't think could hurt them. And I thought, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen, but it really can throw a team off. And so that's an exaggeration. Michigan won't do that, but I think that they should use the guy that's covering Deshaun Thomas and, and use him to help out as much as possible. Um, Colorado State is small, and, and he's their center. He's six foot nine, but he's more of a forward. And right. he gets about five points a game and three rebounds. He shoots below 40%. That guy's not going to beat you. And, and when I think about the fact that Hunter Dickinson, you said he's got to have 25. Absolutely. No question about it. <laughs> Look, Deshaun Thomas will be the weakest matchup that Hunter Dickinson has all year. Um, this team has not seen anything like Hunter. And, and I promise they will double him and they will full front him. And they're going to try to do everything they can to keep Hunter down. It doesn't matter, matter. Sam. Matter what happens? I don't care if they surround him with all five guys and there's nobody else. Like I still say that two out of every three possessions, Hunter Dickinson has to get a touch in the low post. He's got to. He's got to. And and I am still so puzzled and baffled by the Indiana game. And I, I don't want to jump into that yet, um, but but we'll talk about it a little bit later. Promise me you'll come back to the Michigan-Indiana games. I, I've got some real thoughts on that. Yeah, 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 I absolutely will. The other thing that, that I really want to harp on for a minute, because I, I was talking him up, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I, for the Ohio State game and the first half of the Indiana game, DJ, Devontae Jones was brilliant. He was brilliant. I thought as they, in both games, his aggression to the, to the rim was infectious. Mm -hmm. it, I, I think it set the tone for aggression to the rim or aggression around the basket for the entire team. Not only that, he complimented it with a, an aspect of the court or a place on the court that was, that's going to be open in this game because, frankly, it's open against every opponent, and it feeds into what I'm talking about, about the inefficiency defensively inside the arc. The mid-range will be there. He is your best mid-range player. He has got to have 
that mid-range floater, that runner going in this contest. That's another element for success. That's your two-headed. You know, we, we've talked about this. This is who's the other guy. That's been one of your topics all season long. Who is your other guy? And by the end of the season, to me, it was very clear that while you'll have at times Eli Brooks emerge as the other guy and Caleb Houston emerge, or I shouldn't say the other guy, as another guy. Eli Brooks will emerge as another guy. Caleb Houston will, uh, will emerge as another guy. Sometimes Musa will emerge as another guy. Every game, in my opinion, every game they play here the rest of the way, for Michigan to be successful, Devontae Jones has to be the other guy. There can be another guy that, that goes with Hunter and Devontae, but those two guys to me, are principal elements for success for this team. And for him uh, in this next contest, that's getting to the rim, but really, because they're going to try to cut that off, having that mid-range game be that complimentary piece that we saw it be against Ohio State and certainly for the first half against Indiana. Sam, I um, I was just jotting down some game keys. I came up with 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, And you just men mentioned DJ. He's got to have a an impactful game. And that's why he's in Ann Arbor, you know, to, to play in an NCAA game. Um, you know, with Hunter Dickinson, what, he's their best passer. When I say he's got to have two touches every three possessions, um, you know, he, I think that what we should do, we should have Phil Martelli sneak up before the game and tell Hunter that Colorado State's coach thinks he's soft. <laughs> tell him. That that hey Hunter, he said that he didn't want to recruit you when you were in high school because you had you you have no game. You're not you're not a smart player. Tell him that that the coach said something nasty about his mom. And then I want the angry Hunter Dickinson that every time he does something is staring at the bench. Like I love this part, Tim. I said this to you on your birthday, but I don't know if this was a side of Tim McCormick that was present. Before we got together, maybe you always had this closeted smack talker uh, one in the face of the opposition. Maybe that was always there beneath the surface for, for you, Tim. But I feel like since we started doing this, that a little more of that is present yes. in, your, in your personality, or at least your analysis. Is a you're, more you're rubbing off on me, Sam. And I, I don't care what it takes. I like the hunter that dunks and growls. I like the hunter that's scowling. And, and that's the guy... I remember against Michigan State. I remember him against Maryland. Nobody wants to play that guy. That's the guy I want to see out there. You know, it makes me, this is a total side note, but it, it reminds me of one of my, one of my most vivid memories of John Beeline, who I, I will always, great dude, great coach, but better away from the court. I remember being at a tournament, AAU tournament that you coached at before, AAU Nationals down in Orlando, Yeah, yeah. right down at a wide world of sports. I remember being there uh, for Mitch McGarry's junior year, right? And everyone's on the sideline. I may have told this story on the podcast before. Everyone's there. Coach K's there. Rick Pitino's there. John Beeline's there, right? Everyone is there on the side watching Hunter. Ring the, I mean, watching Mitch ring the court. So Mitch, you know how Mitch is, who I hope we talk to at some point. He dunks and, ah, I, I, Tim? I was like, this is great. They got to get this guy. If they get this guy, they will go to the Final Four. People who listen to my show will remember me saying that on the air. They sign Mitch McGarry, Michigan will be a Final Four team. Happened. Happened. That was one of the predictions that happened, right? Anyway, to get back to the story, 
he he yells and he gets it, he gets teed up. John B. Lines, oh, oh, he, he was beside himself, Timmy. He was just he couldn't believe why would he do that, right? Why would he do that? He didn't like it. Fast forward a couple years, I had John B. Line on the show. He said, Sam. We got to get some guys in here with some dog in them. They got to have some dog. We need some pit bulls out there. Just this John Beeline. I, I think swear. it's you, Sam. You bring that out of us. <laughs> I said, I could swear I was on the air talking about they need some dog. And here is John Beeline, guy who was falling all over himself with Hunter Dunks and Yells, the same guy who a couple years before that, Jordan Morgan's in practice, he dunks and, ah, and John Beeline tells him to get on the line to run. You know, Bakari Alexander gets on the line with him. John B. Lines, why are you doing that? He said, Coach, because I told him to do it. The same guy <laughs> is talking about dog a couple of years later. So, Tim, I say all that to say, I feel like maybe, just maybe, I'm, I'm having a little bit of influence on you fellas. You maybe. are. You are. You know, when, when I wake up in the morning now, I growl a little bit, Sam. <laughs> um, but I want the villain. Hunter Dickinson, the rest of the tournament. I don't. I don't want the nice guy. I don't want him playing chill. I, I want him pumping his fist. I want him scowling. And if he does that, he'll be unstoppable. I've got another game key too. Okay. Our man Caleb Houston. I don't want him to shoot a three at the beginning. I don't want him to do it. I want him to get a layup. I want him to get a Duncan transition. I want him to get two free throws. I want him to block a shot. I want him feeling good about himself. And then I want him to wait for a three where he can catch it, gets his feet lined up, you know, look at the laces, and then just rise up and knock down that first shot because he is so different when he makes his first shot. When he gets off to a good shot, he's tough. Last game, I think he had nine points. They were all within about two and a half minutes. He made a three, then he felt good about himself. He knocked down another one, and then he forgot. So, so I want him to get off to a really good start. Let other guys get going. You just wait for that first wide open shot. It'll come and then he'll roll. So, so I've got a question for you. Um, I am concerned about this game. I'm not sure who Hunter and Musa are going to cover. That's a, a big question mark. Um, since January 26, which I think is 50 days ago, other than beating Purdue and Penn State back to back, the other games that Michigan has played have been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. And, and in those games, when Michigan's offense is clicking, their defense is better. You know, what does Michigan have to do in your mind? I think they need to hit 75 points. This needs to be a shootout. If Michigan gets to 75, they win. But what do you see that, that, that Michigan has been doing wrong, other than the competition, but has been doing wrong that that has led them to win loss win loss win loss so and it's funny that you you mentioned the back-to-back -back victories they had in there included that penn state game where they very easily could have lost that one they had a terrible first half and northwestern had, by two yeah man it, it was uh it, it was it was dicey so they've had the up down up down up down even when they had the back-to-back -back losses or back-to-back -back, uh, wins that one of those could have very well been a loss. I think for much of the season, and we've talked about this a great deal, for much of the season, their offense and their defense have been intertwined. They cannot be for this team because the part that ails them offensively, the, the one thing that they can fix is they can, they can be more consistent in making sure Hunter gets touches. 
right? And, you know, they got to the point in the Indiana game, and we'll get to this shortly, where they lost composure. Uh, mm-hmm. Where, they, you know, they were trying to get to him, and they, you throw an entry pass out of bounds. That's when you really knew they were out of sorts, right? But that's the part that they can control, doing a better job of not forgetting who your best guy is. You got to get him the, the ball in his spot, too. Let him get in this spot, command your position, Hunter. Be big like you big guys can can be. So you make the entry pass as easy as possible so he can get his touches. The part that they can't control, Tim, is shooting is going to be – they just aren't a good – I don't mean this to disparage them, right? You, I love this team. I love every guy on it. They are not a consistent shooting team. That's just, that's just not going to change. You hope that they're on – Right. And when they're on, they could probably beat anyone. But you can't count on that for this team game in and game out. The one thing that they need to hang their hat on is their defense. It can affect their offense. You can get out in transition. You have guys, especially a guy like Musa, who can run the floor like a deer. Right. Uh, And really get some some real good looks. And you got guys who shoot it well. Eli Brooks, to me, I, I would love to see his splits. I would say his transition threes might be his highest percentage three-point shot on the season. So he is really good at shooting threes in transition. They have got to use their defense. I thought that was one of the keys in the Ohio State game. The offense that they generated off of their defense. That The fact that they haven't done that consistently all season is one of the reasons for their inconsistency. If they can sever that tie in this tournament, they can win more than I think they'll beat Colorado State. If we if they stick with the win loss, win loss, win loss, they should beat Colorado <laughs> State, right? And you're you should have the regional advantage. You're gonna have your fans there, right? You're gonna have Michigan fans, more Michigan fans than Colorado State. There, all the ingredients are there for them to win that game. But if you want to pull an upset in the next round, which if they win, we will be back to talk about it, then you had better be locked in defensively because that's gonna carry you because you're gonna be able to generate some offense off of it. I like I like that, and I, I've got um, some numbers here. Here you go. All right, scoring is an issue for Colorado State. I know that people have talked about them being high octane, but the last six games, they lost two of the six. Three times they scored in the fifties. Twice in the sixties, they've only hit seventy one time, and and so I think that that a slower half court type of game. If it, if it is slow, that favors the big team. It really does. If it's a bunch of guard play, everybody running up and down advantage for them. If, if, if they struggle to score, Michigan is going to get their fast break going. Eli's going to knock down threes. And that's when Michigan plays best when Devante is getting layups, Caleb's on the break. And so I, I think that scoreboard watching is going to be really, really close. If Michigan makes it hard at the beginning to score. Um, I, I think that I think that they can win this comfortably. And Hunter is a force when he's playing like he's capable of. And I would love to see them double and triple because he's their best passer. Yeah, he's terrific. And he's their best playmaker. And just get the ball in his hands. People will get open looks. And I also want to see more cutters. I I, yes. I don't yes I don't I want I don't want Hunter throwing it to somebody that can't make a shot. I want somebody to dive to the basket and get some of those layups. And, and it's just don't stand and watch Hunter, get him the ball and then cut. 
Yeah. So tr I, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because I was chomping at the bit to mention there, there was a cross court pass that he made that was intercepted. Move. Yeah. You can't you can't be stationary watching Hunter. You got to give him a, a good lane to, to find you. You made the pass more difficult. I know he gets credited with the turnover, but I mean, his guys on the perimeter weren't helping him out. Yeah. So I, again, I, I bet that I bet Juwan is just on fire right now. I'd love to see him in practice. Th this is an important game for him too, not for his legacy, but for his reputation right now. Right. You know, he, um, he loses to Wisconsin, gets suspended, comes back. The team plays pretty well and he loses again. And, and so he needs a great game. And I, I think I think he will have his guys sky high for this one. Yeah, look, it, it was a total team loss. And I want you to to sort of give your synopsis of, of what ha happened against Indiana, because it you know, I think it's it's productive in in sort of our analysis moving forward. Do they recover from what we saw when there was a total collapse down the street? Look, Juwan took it like a leader should. Right. The leader should take the blame. The buck stops with him. He said, this was on me. They blew a 17-point lead. He couldn't figure out a way to, to plug the hole. He couldn't come up with the, the button to push that would get them a bucket, right? You miss, you go 0 for 13 in a stretch, right? He couldn't get them locked in to get a stop defensively. That's right. He couldn't push a button, but he didn't go out and miss those 13 straight shots. He didn't throw an entry pass out of bounds. He didn't. You know, they get a stop at the end of the game, Tim. You get a you down a score, you get a rebound with with 11 seconds left, and you throw that ball out of Juwan didn't do that. Hmm. So that was that part's on the players. And it's good to hear them taking ownership, but it's why for all of the criticism that I see of Juwan, yes, some of it goes to the coach. He took it on him, he took it all on himself. He shouldn't have, uh, you know, at least in the locker room. Or in the film room. When he's in the locker room in the film room, I'm sure he pointed to those guys and say, I can't make the shots for you. What does what uh, John Calipari say? He said, okay, you can take a lot of shots, but you can't miss them all. <laughs> you can't miss every shot. right? If you're going to take all these shots, you got to make one. He, the coach can't control that. So they, they need to do a better job. You can't go over 13, and you certainly – can't have the 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 careless turnovers that they had down the stretch and expect to win a game, especially when it turned into a home game for Indiana. Look, I um I appreciate accountability. I I um I respect it, but I don't want any more. I just want them to win. Just win the game, and you don't have to apologize about anything. Um, against Indiana, I was broadcasting the Davidson Fordham game at noon on Thursday, and so I had. I had my computer set up. I had an eye on the Michigan game and an eye on Davidson. And, and so I was, I was monitoring it. And so it's hard to do two things at once, but you know, at halftime, Michigan was up 13. Hunter had 13. All is good. Okay. With 11 minutes and nine seconds to go, Michigan had extended the lead. Um, you know, they, they were cruising and it was 60 to 43. And I was just, I was so happy you know, I was enjoying my game. I was enjoying that game. And then all of a sudden I looked up and it was a disaster, you know, and a 31 to nine run is an epic collapse. You never see that. 
Um, I watched the game again when I arrived home, but I already knew that there were two things that happened. Michigan relaxed on defense. And I know that there's a lot of IU fans. I know that there are some Michigan players that sometimes get a little bit fragile. Trace Jackson Davis had 19 of his 24 points in the second half. He outscored Hunter Dickinson 19 to two. Okay. That that's not good enough. So a couple of things when I was watching the offense out of the corner of my eye, it seemed like they were ignoring Hunter. Okay. He was roaming on the perimeter, setting ball screens. I don't even think he's a great ball screener. Okay. Um, I, I think that they've done a good job of not getting as many fouls in the ball screen game, but, but I, I, I would rather just see him get in the low post and that's inexplicable, explicable to me that they weren't able to get him the ball. Um, I wrote this down when I rewatched the game. 522 of the first half, Hunter made a jumper. That's when he had 13. He got a foul and he sat the rest of the first half. So how many points did Hunter get from that mark the rest of the game? Two. Okay. How many points did he get from their offense? Zero, because his only second half bucket, I think it was at the 15 and a half minute mark, was a tip in off an offensive rebound. So that means that from their offense, he was 0 for 2. He had no buckets out of their offense, but he set about 150 screens. This is your All-American. And these guys have to know who he is and that they can get shots themselves. They can help the team. If he's rolling, when he's rolling, everybody is a better player. And, and so that was one of the most disappointing, frustrating games I've seen in a long time, Sam. Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed the, the biggest uh, issue that I saw with that. Yes, of course they relaxed. Right. But you have, you have a guy that can get you back on kilter and they couldn't find him. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, it, did he go get it himself a couple times? Yeah, a couple times. But other than that, they were getting him the ball. They were getting him the ball. Like, uh, you know, those big fellas, you know this, Tim, is a big, you don't pass the ball to yourself. You got to find him. And their inability to find him in the crunch, hopefully was a stark reminder of where your bread is buttered. I mean, it was easy to get really, really caught up in what we saw from them without Hunter. In, in the game against Ohio State. Uh, and I, I think maybe it was a, a little bit of fool's gold uh, because I, I think it, it got them to a point where when they had to have it, when they needed to go to him in the last 11, I've been saying the last 13 minutes, the last 11 minutes of the game, they were doing everything but that. They just lost composure. And I think, a, I think that might be a, a symptom of, uh, you know, one of the symptoms of that might have been not being able to find Hunter, losing composure, forgetting that's the guy. We got to get it to Hunter. And so I just I think that maybe if they do something in this in, in this NCAA tournament, that experience will have helped them. That loss of composure will have helped them maintain it here uh, in this game and hopefully the next one that they might have to face a Tennessee team, uh, Tim, that if uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, I know you don't like to do that, but you think this team has had problems getting buckets this year. Tennessee is an elite defensive team, elite 
defensive team. Buckets yeah. will be very hard to come by in that one. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about Tennessee. Uh, I can see your enthusiasm and confidence, but um, I, I have another thought on, on a real game key against Colorado State. I would I would have my same starting lineup, and I would let Musa play to the first TV timeout and see how he does. Um, but what I would do is I would take him out at that point and, and I would let him play backup minute roles the rest of the game. Um, this game is going to be too fast for him, I think, unless he proves us wrong in the first four minutes. Okay. But I think it's going to be too fast. And I don't think he's good at all at feeding the post. And why would he be good at it his entire life? People have been feeding him. Yeah, um, it's it's why it's why to it's a great point, Tim. And and just if you can piggyback, I want to want you to comment on this. You notice every time they do high low, is Hunter out is Hunter out high? Yeah, Eden Musa. Yeah, I, I don't recall seeing Musa being the one. You know, often anyway, trying to feed Hunter. It's, it seems like way more the case that Hunter is the one in the high that's high in the high low. And, and the guy that I want out there is Terrence Williams. Why? Because when they were 10 years old, Terrence was feeding the ball. He is so underrated. If you want to put an all big 10 of post feeders together, put Terrence Williams on your team. He's excellent. Eli Brooks played with Hunter all last year. He's excellent. I think Caleb's a really smart player and he's skilled. He can enter the ball into the post and Devante's improved. I want a lineup out there that knows how to get the ball inside. That's how Michigan wins this thing. That's a great, great, great point. Uh, and I like your idea. Hey, look, we, we've seen, we've seen Musa, his athleticism and, and flashes just be overwhelming to an opponent. You want to give that flash a chance to happen in this game. So I, I'm with you on that. Uh, but, you know, I think getting T-Will – some some opportunities on the floor as as a passer and that that's automatically you mentioned they're going to they got a double hunter they have to double hunter and this is the this is the other piece that of of why it makes sense to have t will up top to have t will be the high and the high low he can hit that three yeah he can hit that three you you set you set t will up on the side, the hunter is is posting. Let him feed, man. He's gonna get some good looks out there. And he he was three for four from three for Ohio State. I'm not sure why he didn't play hardly at all against um, Indiana. But when a guy's hot, I think you ride him. I think you get him shots. Um, here's a prediction. I think that Frankie Collins is gonna get a couple buckets in this game. I I, I don't think they know his quickness. I think that 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 he. I think he's going to be ready to go. I think he's going to score. Yeah. I, I wonder, and this is revisionist, I wonder when Devontae was struggling, if, if giving Frankie some minutes in that moment would have made a difference. Good call. You, you, have, you, you have to wonder, and again, it's, it's revisionist, but faced with a similar circumstance where maybe DJ is struggling to keep a handle on the basketball, uh, and can't stay, you know, defensively, he starts to labor. that Maybe that more than even the, the turnovers. You could tell he was laboring defensively. Giving Hunter or giving Frankie a few more minutes, you, I got to believe that that'll be an alternative that they try to go to in this game. It's, it's survive in advance, win or go home time, right? And, and so, uh, man, I, I am curious, Tim, as we look around, we've given the, the keys to this Colorado State matchup, which 
Very few people have picked Colorado State. I'm talking about the pundits, and I don't know how to feel about that, right? You you would love for this to be a chip on the shoulder game, and it doesn't have that feel right now. The team that's going to have the chip on his shoulder is Colorado State because most people are favoring Michigan in this contest. Yeah, but Michigan look- Michigan's a big is a big favorite, sixty four percent chance of advancing. That's based on ESPN metrics. That's that's the biggest predicted upset in the entire field, which is crazy because all the six eleven matchups, you can make an argument for the elevens. I mean, are any of these elevens really underdogs per se? When one of your elevens is Virginia Tech, yeah. who just won the ACC, are you? You kidding me, Tim? This this seems like one of the best pool, best fields of eleven seeds we've seen. Yeah. What um, Sam? What do you think about the Big Ten as we wind wind this up? What what do you what do you see as the um the, the key matchups? Who's got the hot hand? You know, I I look around and I, I wonder if Purdue getting out of the Big Ten. I wonder if that will be a recipe for success. I was. I was a bit surprised to to see the end of the Purdue-Iowa game in the Big Ten Championship, to see Purdue struggle to get stops and to see Iowa get stops. <laughs> right? So, so t- two things coming off of that. Number one, I, I just – I really think the size of Purdue is going to be hard for anyone to prepare for on quick turnaround, right? So – if if they win their first game, they will not get upset, and they will. They won't get they won't get upset in the second round. If they win in the Sweet Sixteen, they're a Final Four team. You, that is wow. too quick to get ready for Zach Eady and Trevion Williams. Moving over to Iowa, this has long been the issue for them. They cannot muster any defense. They can't get stops, and here they were down the stretch. Forcing Jay Nivey into turnovers, you know, get uh, forcing Zach Eady into tougher looks, right? The only guy that seemed to find some consistent offense for the most part was, was Trevion Williams, and he couldn't get it down the stretch. Per- Iowa actually found some defense, Tim. That is something that for the first time, if they have that, and you got Keegan Murray, who low-key, has he become the most lethal scorer? In college basketball, when you look at his his ability, three point, put it on the on the deck, post you up as well. He just doesn't have. He's not very demonstrative. He's not very. Uh, his personality doesn't come spewing out. He's very even keeled, but his game speaks very loudly. So they have a go to guy. They have they have three point shooters, and now they can get a few stops defensively. I think this might be the year that Iowa finally goes on a run. Wow. So so the Big Ten proved to be a really good conference. And when you consider that nine of 14 teams are in the NCAA tournament, um, two of those teams, actually Rutgers and Indiana, are in the play-in game. Um, no one from the, the Big Ten is a, above a three. Um, I, I think that I feel comfortable saying that, that three Big Ten teams will be in the Sweet 16. Um, I disagree a little bit. I think that Kentucky might be a tough matchup for Purdue. Oscar Shibwe is is good enough to neutralize both Edie and Williams. Um, but once you get that far, if you're in the Elite Eight, anything can happen. Um, I think that Iowa, how ironic that after all these years, 
that Fran Frischilla finally gets to cut down a net. You know, he's, he doesn't know how to do it. You know, he, it's been a long time Fran since McCaffrey, he's Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, sorry. And and thinking about the fact that, um, you know, he was at Siena and UNC Greensboro, and it's been a long time for him. But I, I think that there's some truth to the fact that when you play at a high over three days like that, it wouldn't surprise me to see Iowa come out flat. Um, and then Illinois, they've got Kofi Coburn and nobody else does. And that's their advantage. It seems like they're playing Andre Curbelo a little bit more each game. Um, if you're just an average fan listening to this and you want a game, watch Kentucky Purdue, watch Houston, Illinois. I, I think those games are so intriguing from a from an anticipation standpoint. Um, th- this is going to be a lot of fun. Sam, tell me who you have winning it all. So, so a couple of things. I, I, I wonder how much we can really buy into the narrative about Brad Underwood of okay. him. You know, that the, the narrative is that he come tournament time, he'll be a liability for his team. <laughs> I don't think I see, but I don't think that that shows up against Houston. Houston is a different team now than they were at the beginning of the season when they had their full allotment of guys. I mean, injuries, have hit that team hard. And I, I just, I think that Illinois will have enough to get by them, but man, they run into Arizona who can, who can throw some size at them, throw offensive versatility at them as well. Uh, I, I just think, I don't see a way that they beat Arizona. I want to get to your, your Rutgers. The Rutgers is intriguing to me. Yes. I think Rutgers makes it to the sweet 16. See you, this Rutgers Alabama matchup, ordinarily, I'd be like, man, you know, Nate Oates, I've known Nate Oates for 20 years. He is a gritty, he coaches grit, he cr- coaches grimy, he wants his guys in the muck. He wants them to get into you defensively. That is in his DNA from Romulus to an assistant at Buffalo to head coach at Buffalo to Bama. But this is not a good defensive team, this Alabama squad. It, hmm. ment- Mentality-wise, Rutgers is what Nate Oates wants his team to be, right? So that's the team that's going to be physical. They're going to be in your shorts, and you're facing an Alabama offense that struggles from three-point land. Why is that significant? They're a 30% three-point team, Tim, and they shoot over 20 a game. Like they they either are driving to the basket, nothing, nothing in between. It's either all the way to the basket where you got Cliff Amari down there to really contest shots. I don't know, and, and guys that can stay in front of you on the perimeter. But that now three point land, you're gonna get some opportunities, but you can't hit them consistently. Well, to me, that adds up to a Rutgers victory, and I think Rutgers uh, advances to the Sweet 16, where I think I that'll that. be the end of the road for them. I like it. I like. I, I think I have all of the six seeds losing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you right there. Who can pick LSU at this point? Like, which LSU team is going to show up? Tim, you got any theories who's, on that? Who's their, who's their Who's their coach? I don't even know. Uh, so back <laughs> yeah, to my question: who, who, Who's your pick? Who's going to win it all? So, so my my pick to win it all is Arizona. Okay. I, I think 
I think we saw Arizona earlier in the season before before anyone knew how good they really were. But Tim, you you watch Arizona over the course of the season. Uh, you watch the team that I thought I thought was going to win the Pac-12. Who didn't pick? Did you pick UCLA before the season? I picked UCLA. Everyone, every Michigan fan thought UCLA was going to be the Pac-12 champ, right? Tim, Arizona, they were the best team to me by a wide margin. And when you look at their at their versatility, I mean, Christian Coloco, you know, starting out, I remember talking about the matchup with Michigan. That was the guy that everyone was talking about. But you look over the course of the season, Matherin, Benedict Matherin, Tim, is a lottery pick. Is a lottery pick. He shoots like I thought Caleb Houston would. <laughs> <laughs> he is a lottery pick. So they got size. They can hit you in the post. They they shoot threes. They can put it on a deck. I really think that, you know, some of the teams that will impose their will uh, in the paint area, uh, they won't be able to do that against against uh, against an Arizona team that can match you in that area of the floor. I just think that they check all the boxes. Uh, if if Baylor were healthier, that's another team with major health issues. I might have some more nervousness about that pick. Uh, but absent that, and I think we will be absent that in the tournament, I got Arizona winning the whole damn thing. Nice. Good. I like it. I've got that written down. Yeah. Yep. 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 So who do you have winning it all, Tim? I wait, you can't just put me on the spot. Who's yeah. your champ? So I think that people are undervaluing Kentucky. Oscar Shibway is the best player in the nation this year. And Kellen Grady, um, I watched him a lot at Davidson. He scored over 2,000 points in his career, and, and he's there now. Um, Ty Ty Walker's your, your point guard. Um, I like Keon Brooks. I know, you know, you've known Keon Brooks since he was in high school. I know he was a Michigan target. All of a sudden, Calipari's got a bunch of veteran guys. Crazy, isn't and, it? Yeah. And I, I just, I feel like they're poised to surprise some people. Um, Gonzaga's on my list too. I, I haven't finalized yet, but I, um, I think that the most watched player in the nation will be Chet Holmgren. People want to see him against elite competition. Um, Drew Timmy, I think, is a pro. He's just he he belongs in the 1980s with his shot fakes and up and unders. And then Nembhard is their point guard. He learned a lot last year. I, I thought that at times he was their best point guard at times, even with Jalen Suggs around. So so that that team's loaded. And I I, I'm going to flip a coin right before. I just want to make sure nobody's hurt for anybody. Uh, those are the two teams I'm watching. Yeah, I. it's definitely, I think the most intriguing thing about Kentucky is the composition. I mean, I don't know. John Calipari has had a team, certainly hasn't had a team like this in Lexington. But I look at, I, maybe some recency bias is in this uh, for me, Tim. But I watched Kennedy Chandler. Oh, yeah. Take them yeah. apart. Yep. And, yep. And, and and I admit that that is fueling my perception of Kentucky in this tournament a bit. But if if you got a guy that can take over a game uh, in your backcourt, I think that that can be a major issue for for Kentucky in the tournament. I just I, I think that Arizona is more complete on both ends of the floor. 
Uh, granted, even if, if even if Shuibe is the is the best all around player, not only can he score, he might be the best rebounder in the country. I don't know what the stats say. Eyeball tests say he's the best rebounder in the country, right? So he checks yeah. a bunch of boxes. But again, my recency bias, watching what Kennedy Chandler did to them, I, I'm liking I'm liking my Arizona pick uh, in this yeah. mix. And who was your other team? No, I said Gonzaga and Kentucky. Sam, I you keep bringing up Ken, Kennedy Chandler. I told you I'm not. You're not going to get me to talk about Tennessee. I'm not looking beyond. <laughs> hey, before we go, can I can I share my favorite John Calipari story with you? You sure can. So it was a few years back, but um, I I I like Dairy Queen, and so I pulled up into the Dairy Queen in Kego Harbor, and I went up and I like to get the vanilla cone dipped in the cherry. And I looked over and standing right next to me is John Calipari. And I said, hey, John. And he said, hey, Tim, what's going on? I said, I didn't really expect to see you here at the Dairy Queen in Kego Harbor. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm just trying to kill time. I am. I'm in town to recruit um, Malik Harrison and trying to think, who's the point guard? Joe Crawford, who played at Renaissance. They were teammates together. He said, I'm just driving around looking at the air. I don't know how he got from Renaissance to Kego Harbor. But 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 anyway, we had a nice chat, and I just didn't expect to see John Calipari at Dairy Queen. Yeah, he was really lost. Yeah, <laughs> also, those two locales don't even look the same. Like oh, you, no. you should have known you were lost at that point, right? <laughs> so hey, man, I'm sure he went on and found some really good. He went on and found some some really good players, and uh, you know, has obviously been a, a really really successful coach. Uh, I think that his team will make it. They'll make it to Purdue. I think they go out. Uh, I think you and I, obviously you and I disagree on that. Mm-hmm. I think that Purdue will find some new life uh, in the postseason. I, if I have some hesitancy about them, is that they aren't your typical defensive team. I've said that before. I mean, Matt Painter in his career there at Purdue has had some gritty, every bit to me of the gritty sort of defensive program that we see at Michigan State. And that's not them this year. Like, they, they aren't the lock-it-down guys. They are more potent offensively, uh, and that sort of eluded them at times down the stretch, especially against Iowa. It will not. It will not in this tournament uh, to me against Kentucky. Time will okay. tell. We'll right. reconvene. So here's to give you the guys the schedule moving forward. If Michigan wins, if they beat Colorado State, we'll be back doing the podcast on Friday, a preview likely of the matchup with Tennessee, which – don't go there, Sam. Not talking Tennessee today. <laughs> right. But we'll be there to, to to preview it. If Michigan loses, then we'll be back next week, same time, to recap the season, to look into the offseason. Who do we think is leaving? Who do we think is returning? Who do we think is going to wind up uh, in the recruiting class? We'll get into all of that next time. Tim, it's always fun, my friend. Glad you had a happy birthday, folks. You know, you see Tim and his mentions. It was last week. Offer him a, a belated birthday wish. I know all he wants is a Michigan victory, right? So that'd, be a, want, great, Sam. that'd right. be a great gift that the fans could give it to him. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be back talking about that on the next Michigan Basketball Insider.